Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about this episode of our podcast. You're going to hear from John Richt. He's coached quarterbacks at both the NFL and college level. Now he's a private quarterback coach. He's married to Anna. They have two kids, but more than that, just an incredible man, a character, someone who loves the Lord. I can't wait for you to hear from John, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, John. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. So I like to start these off with background information. So if you don't mind, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, about your family growing up, um, and a little bit about your family today. Yeah, for sure. Um, Growing up, I had an interesting life. Uh, You know, the life of a head coach's son for for most of it, really. Uh, Actually, the first, I guess, 11 years of my life, we were at Florida State with Bobby Bowden during the golden years when they were you know, top five in the country for like 10 years in a row or something like that. And dad was the offensive coordinator and life was good and all that. And then all of a sudden uh, we moved to Georgia and uh, grew up, grew up in Georgia mostly during most of my, I guess, formative years um, through high school, middle school, high school was all Georgia. And, uh, and then kind of moved on from there. And now I've got uh, my wife, Anna, I actually, started dating her in ninth grade in high school. Uh, so wow. we're high school sweethearts and got married in college. And now we got two little girls, uh, Jaden, who's five and Zoe, who is uh, one and a half. So what is it like growing up as Mark Rick's son? Uh, <laughs> any, any pressure to that? Uh, I don't know if it's pressure as much as it is uh, expectations. Just Mm. Kind of just you kind of feel them on yourself. There, there wasn't a lot of stuff put on me from my father, especially. He was trying. He's kind of actually probably too much the other way. He tried to not pressure us to do anything as far as football and all that goes. But as far as off the field behavior and understanding that if I got in trouble, that uh, it would it'd make the news rather than my buddy getting in trouble. It wouldn't. Um, that that kind of stuff always played a role, which was actually probably good and kept stricter guidelines and all that kind of stuff on me, which was, which was nice. It helped me make decisions a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. And being a, um, an avid college football fan, I've always, you know, admired your dad, your mom and dad, especially, um, just seeing how they lived out their faith. So knowing that you grew up in a family of faith, um, at what point did you make it your own? Did you decide, you know what, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Yeah. My parents always did an awesome job, uh, with us as kids, um, just implementing the word and whether it was, uh, you know, dad didn't really spend a lot of time with us because he is a coach and the time restraints of that. Um, but when he was, um, you know, you'd walk downstairs in the morning and you'd see him in the word. Um, and then we'd get to the breakfast table. And the one thing we did every morning was read a proverb and then, um, go into the day and start start our day in the Word and in, and in, and in prayer. And uh, that was one thing they did an awesome job of. And uh, and so you know early on you know I always was kind of wrapped up in that culture. And mom, you know, basically being a single parent, we we were always at Sunday Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were we were at church all the time. So um, you know I was kind of wrapped up in that culture. Um, but it wasn't till probably when I was uh, 13 years old actually at Canacook sports camps up in, uh, up in Lampy, Missouri, uh, with Joe white who runs those camps. He was speaking and, uh, 
he, he said, he gave us a message that kind of, it challenged us in a way that was, um, I guess really revealing to me that I wasn't, I was a good person and I was a kind of a know-it-all Christian little boy, um, type deal, but I wasn't a true follower of Christ and I Mm. didn't have that personal relationship. So that was when, um, what you do at that camp is you get baptized and you get to ring the bell and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was an awesome time. It was a good experience for me. That's awesome. We'll talk a little bit more about your faith as we go on. I want to talk, um, some sports. So you got into coaching, um, Mm -hmm. early. So, was there any pressure? I've already asked about pressure being Mark Rick's son. Was there any pressure to pursue coaching or is that just something that, you know, you just felt like, you know, that was your calling, if you will. There was probably more pressure not to get into coaching um, than there was to get into coaching. Mm. He, he was, he was very, and, and I had always grown up and I was like, I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to be able to be home. I want to be there, all that kind of stuff. The normal coaches, kids attitude. And then, uh, I got into mortgage mortgaging, doing that for a little bit for about six months. And that whole deal just wasn't going to the office every day, sitting in a desk and all that. It just wasn't my, wasn't my deal. And I ended up training quarterbacks on the side, uh, very soon after that ended up working at D one sports up in Nashville at their home office and training quarterback for the combine, uh, through QB country at that time. And, uh, was, you know, started to work my way into it. And then all of a sudden I found myself, uh, actually me and Anna found ourselves pregnant, uh, with our first and dad had a job come open at Georgia. And so it was very easy just to slide back into it and, uh, kind of get it wrapped back up into it. And it was easy. It was easy to tell that that was where I was supposed to be. Um, once I got there, just because, um, more so of the feeling of being with the camaraderie and all that kind of stuff. But the, you know, I do feel a good calling, on my life that, you know, these young people, they need people that are there for them and be mentors. And especially a lot of them that don't have a father like I did, um, you know, just being able to be there and represent, um, manhood in a way that, uh, a lot of young boys don't get the chance to to see. Absolutely. And so you mentioned, um, coaching with your dad at Georgia and you also coached with him at Miami, but, um, I believe, also a little bit of time in the NFL. So talk about your coaching journey. And then, you know, what what is it like, you know, when you have pressure not to get into coaching, but then you end up coaching on your dad's staff. Uh, (laughs) Talk about coaching under your dad. Yeah. um, So the journey, I mean, I started with dad as a GA or quality control with him for a year at Georgia, but at Georgia, there's actually a nepotism wall. And so I was 24 at that time. Um, there's a nepotism wall to where at 25, basically I couldn't work for my father and because the Georgia was a state governed, um, uh, college, it was basically, I fell under that. And, uh, so once I turned 25, I basically got fired <laughs> and Rex Ryan, who is a coach's son at the time, he would very much took offense to that. And so he's like, you know what, you got a spot on my staff. Come on up. You can be a quality control for me. And so I worked with him and uh, really worked for Greg Roman, um, who's now the offense coordinator for the Ravens. He was the offense coordinator for the Bills at that time and uh, worked for those guys and Tony Sperano Jr. Um, he was a tight ends coach. I worked with him very closely, but I actually worked with the tight ends and O-line, um, which was a very uh, 
humbling experience, but a very eye-opening experience. In the NFL, you know, it's all ball. Um, there's no time for much else. But uh, the big thing was, you know, me learning the, you know, the interior positions. I'd never really thought about anything besides quarterback, receiver, pass game. You know, I'd hand the ball off. I'd make sure the run checks were right, but I didn't know the whys behind it and the protections and all that. Um, I really grew as a coach and as a football uh, mind, I guess you could say, that year probably the most out of all my years as far as just basic knowledge of football and all that kind of stuff because I was able to connect the front to the back and understand all that kind of stuff. Plus, you break down defenses nonstop and you see the most uh, – I guess intricate stuff when you're playing the Patriots twice a year and you're playing, you know, you're playing, you're playing all these great teams with great coaches and you're sitting there trying to diagnose all those things. And, you know, so you, you really get engulfed in that. And, uh, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool experience, but at the same time, it was, it was a very tough and hard and, um, I guess humbling experience at the same time. Absolutely. So you can actually tell people, that you got that your dad fired you, huh? Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't actually fire me, but right. you know, that's kind of how it went. But um, when he got that opportunity at Miami, he gave me a call and, uh, you know, he said, I'm going to make you my quarterback's coach. Wow. And I, said, I was like, oh my, I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. You know, young guy knowing everything in the world. Um, I, I said, I got humbled in the NFL, but as soon as he told me that it got a little crazy again, but, uh, it was, it was one of those things that he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be in the room and we're going to do all this. We're going to work together. We're going to do it. Um, and at the beginning it was awesome. Uh, us working together, driving and kind of getting used to it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, the father son role always does play a role because, you know, halfway through the first season, the other coaches realizes that if they, they want something done, they can always go to me and, if they were nervous to bring it to dad, I was the one that they got to be that guy. So it was, it was fun. It was a good, it was a good relationship. I was able to um, work well with him and work well with the other staff um, that was there. And, uh, you know, it was really a blessing to be down in Miami for, for those years. It kind of gave me a lot of experience early that uh, probably wasn't possible anywhere else. So it was, it was, it was a great, great deal. So what are you doing now as far as, uh, coaching? So now we're, we're basically, um, in transition. I'm moving to more of a, uh, location driven, uh, job, basically trying to plant some roots for my family. Um, but we are, uh, in the position to where we're, we're starting, uh, basically a quarterback training and developing company. That's, that's my own. And, uh, being able to work with young men uh, all around the Northeast Georgia area uh, and uh, kind of just working with kids from as young as actually a, I'm working with a third grader all the way through high school. And, uh, you know, and then there might be a few college guys that I end up working with in the off season and that type of deal too. But just working with uh, young men individually, um, both in football and in life um, and uh, just trying to help them grow while at the same time, we and uh, my, my father and my partner, Fred Munsonmeyer, we're actually about to open two uh, training facilities under D1 Sports Training, um, about to open those two facilities. And those will be kind of more, not necessarily football, but they'll be all uh, scholastic, uh, I guess, driven, but they'll also have the adult fitness aspect to it. So being able to stay in coaching, but also being able to plant some roots. That's awesome. So what role does your faith play 
in your coaching, both, you know, when you were college NFL and even now, and then, you know, was, was there ever any resistance? Um, but as far as it playing a role, it plays a huge role. Um, it was the driving force. It was my foundation that I had to lean on over and over and over again. Cause as we know, sports doesn't always go the way we want it to. Um, when it does, it feels great. But all of a sudden from one week to the next, you could go from a high to an absolute low. And, uh, just having that centering force of knowing that my joy wasn't in my job, my joy was in Christ and, uh, mm. that, you know, nobody could really, uh, displace that from me. Um, no matter what was going on, um, just allowing myself to truly be centered on, on Christ. Now that was hard at a, a lot of times, um, because there was a few times that, you know, the set, you know, the devil's real and he attacks and he comes hard for those who are trying to do his will, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, there's a few times that he attacked hard, but, you know, you know, thankfully and, um, very, um, faithfully uh god took care of us my family and uh kind of got us through a lot of hard times through that um as far as resistance there there really wasn't any really resistance um there was people who were like yeah that's great awesome moving along um type yeah. deal. But, but uh there was never much resistance to it and i think that comes with the way you approach people and the way you mm-hmm. approach your tactics towards you know, live in your life. If you come at them in a, you know, opposing or um, intimidating fashion, then you'll probably will get resistance because you feel, they feel attacked. But if you come at them with love, just like Christ did, um, then rarely do you see anybody that's just negative towards you. They might tell you they believe something else or they have opposite views and that's okay. But uh, hopefully the way you live your life and the way that you, um, I guess, go about your business uh hopefully makes an impact and then one day you know that that might change but um sometimes it's not necessarily your job to change somebody it's always god's so that's right um, you had to keep that had to keep that in mind and know that um you know you had to live your life in a way that represented god um and christ and you know that wasn't going to be perfect all the time but you know you had to do your best which kind of leads me to the next question I was going to ask you. There's a, a term out there, even in the corporate world, you hear a lot about the term servant leader, what it means to be a servant leader. And um, you talked about the way you approach people and just living as Christ lived. And so I want to ask you, you know, we talked a lot about your dad, but there was, as a, like I said, I'm an avid college football fan, number of years watching college game day. And there's been stories even on your mom and how, especially uh-huh. Georgia, you know, her role in serving the team, not being Mark Rick's wife, but actually being us, you know, doing some of the, the lowly jobs, right. And serving the team. So, so talk about um, her influence on, on your family and modeling what it means to serve. And then just how you saw God use her um, among those teams. Right. Um, as far as her influence on our family, it's unreal. Um, she was, you know, our rock because dad was gone a lot and we knew what dad represented and all that kind of stuff. But mom was the one who was day to day living it out, um, mm-hmm. kind of growing us in our faith and in our, you know, in our life. Um, she was, she was everything for us. And, uh, 
you know, her being able to, once we all got older and she didn't have to deal with us all the time, um, her being able to really invest in the boys, um, at Georgia was a big deal. Um, I mean, she away games. I remember away games. We'd all be at the hotel. Mom would get up at 6 a.m. and get on the bus with the athletic trainers and go for setup. I mean, it wasn't just wow. I mean, it was it was everything. Um, she went. She helped set up. She helped break down. She wasn't about to just you know push any kind of responsibility off on anybody else. She she truly wanted to be there and help and be a part of the solution and be a part of um, you know the team you know, morale and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's funny. My, my, my new partner with the D ones is Fred Montemeyer. He played fullback, uh, for Georgia back, back, uh, a few years ago. And he said it was funny because a few times you just feel this awful gloom over the whole sideline. It was just kind of a dark place. And all of a sudden you turn around and look at the water and then there's Miss Catherine. She was like the only beacon. And like all of a sudden everybody ended up just going to get water because they just needed a little, little uplifting and a little deal. And she wouldn't pay attention to the game as much. She wouldn't, um, necessarily see all the good, the bad, the ugly, but she would really just try to pour into those boys and keep them encouraged and keep their spirits up as they were fighting, fighting a battle, which is hard enough, um, with, you know, um, the extenuating circumstances, she wanted to be that one intrinsic force that was, uh, you know, a positive, uh, light in their life. So it was cool. It was fun to see. I always loved seeing when when ESPN would highlight that because so much is made of um, the wins and losses of programs, but not the impact that a coach's family has has on a program. And I just think um, it's just a, a great example of what's needed more of in our culture is us being willing to to be the setup and breakdown people, whether it's helping set up for a football game or if it's a church or whatever, being able to do the jobs that a lot of times we think we're above, there's somebody else's job. You know, I just think that's what's missing is that servant's heart and how we could really, we could change culture if we all um, took on that mindset of, of being servants, because that's, I mean, that was the example of Jesus. We talk about being like Jesus and that's, that's what he did. But no, it's, it's easy for us to say that it is to do. (laughs) It is, it is. It's, uh, it's definitely one thing to say it, another thing to live it out. And that's why Christ's life on earth is so impressive. Um, that's right. He said it, he did it, he walked it, he believed it, he was, he was it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's our goal. We all know that we're not perfect, but you know, our, 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 our aspirations are to be like him. And because you never know who is watching, you know, you never, I would have never known that you watched that and were impressed by that. And my mom probably still won't cause she, you know, she might not ever hear this podcast or whatever it is, but <laughs> you, you, you had an impression from what she did and that's why it matters. That's why it matters. Yeah. That's right. A lifestyle. You're right. And you know, we don't do it for to be covered on TV. Right. Right. But, you know, it's nice to see in a time when there's not a lot of positive on TV, you know, it's <laughs> nice to see those stories. Um, and it's just, I, I do, I, I really, I, I think about that story um, often, especially while watching game day, just because I, I just, it always resonates of um, that I need to be more of a servant, even serving my family. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and what that looks like. And I'm just reminded of that. Um, it just had a, a, an impact on me in a, in, in a major way. And it was difficult at first because I grew up 
um, and Alabama's an Auburn fan. So seeing, you know, seeing great stories coming out of University of Georgia was not always good. Um, but, you know, it was uh, it's crazy how God can use things like that to, to really convict and challenge you. Let me ask you, um, kind of shift a little bit to your own, to, to, to your family about mm-hmm. your daughter, Jaden. Um, she was, she's battled Crohn's disease. Most of her, she's five and a half now. Um, uh, so talk about as a parent, what it's like to, um, walk, walk through that journey because we all, you know, pray for healthy kids, right? You right. know, so when you find out that one of your kids is battling a disease like that, Talk about how that's impacted you personally and then even, even your marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very, very big impact on us in a lot of different ways. Um, J bug, our little girl, you know, it's our firstborn. We're so proud of her. She's doing everything. She's growing. She's doing all this. And all of a sudden at nine months, um, she kind of stopped eating. She stopped um, developing. She stopped growing. She got failure to thrive, um, which is never something you want to hear as a parent. Um, it's your job to grow your child. It's your job to raise them up um, and to protect them and to guide them. And then all of a sudden you hear that they've got failure to thrive and you can do nothing about it um, because the doctors don't know anything at that point. I mean, it's, it's really hard. Um, and then this is actually all started happening when we got to the Buffalo Bills, right? When we got to the mm. Bills. So first time we've really been, I guess, in college we were away and married and all that. But this is the first time with a child um, that we were completely disconnected from our family um, up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, in a brand new place. And all of a sudden our child comes down with failure to thrive and it becomes a battle for about a year Mm. um, of trying to figure out exactly what it was. So we didn't know. And I think that was the hardest part on us. Um, We were blessed to be in a place with Rex Ryan. Actually Um, he took it very, very well and was like, Hey, you come in, you come to practice and then you go and you're gone. you handle your responsibilities, everything you can do remotely, you do remotely. Um, and so most of the off season, I was actually, um, in, in a hospital, you know, with Jaden and my wife, just trying to figure out what was going on. And, uh, you know, the hardest part is you sitting there. Um, she won't eat, which in my mind is crazy because as a Rick, we know how to eat. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, just, we'll just don't give her any food and eventually she'll get hungry and she'll eat. Like that's, that's how, and they're like, no, she will literally starve herself because number one, the food that's going down, actually her body is not absorbing the nutrients. Mm. And then number two, you know, she just, she's so scared to put something down because it hurts her that bad. Um, her intestines. So basically, um, you know, you're at a point for a long time, um, even once we found out it was Crohn's, the battle of trying to find the right treatment and mm-hmm. uh, trying to grow through um, her having to have a feeding tube through her nose at first. And then all of a sudden we have to have surgeries and put ports in her chest and all just for treatment. And just the battle, the ongoing battle that we had um, was really, really hard. And like you said, with, with marriage, I mean, that that is something that's that's incredibly hard. And that's why my wife is so amazing. Um, she, 
she did so much with Jaden and still allowed me to basically get what I needed to get done work-wise and was able to shoulder a lot of that burden um, up front and, uh, you know, allowed us to get to where we're at now because she is such a strong, um, strong woman and strong in her faith. And uh, I think one thing that happened over that course of time is um, being a coach's kid and being Mark Rick's son and all this kind of stuff, life honestly was very easy. Um, there wasn't a lot of hurdles thrown in my way um, on getting to where I wanted to go or doing what I wanted to do or all this kind of stuff. I was very blessed. Um, and I, th- I knew that, but I never really understood what it was to go through a true trial and tribulation and the same thing for my wife. Um, but at that time we learned that it's not about, you know, um, following Christ had basically been easy for us. Our Mm -hmm. relationship with Christ had been easy. Our relationship with each other had been easy. Like just, it's kind of one of those things that all of a sudden throws a monkey wrench in it. And then there's two things you can do. You can either separate, run away, or you can bear down and hold on to your true beliefs or your principles and understand that it's, it's not, um, it's not the end of the world. We're going to get through it regardless. And, um, at the same time that this is God's plan and, uh, whatever it is, just understanding that the glory of God is going to be achieved through this some way, somehow. And I think that's one thing that we kind of clung to very, very hard, um, was under well not understanding but trying to learn and understand and uh you know uh, we kind of made a decision that we were we were going to try to to understand it and try to get into god's word and try to grow in our faith so that we could understand and have the peace that that god gave us um he ended up awarding us that and you know has done an awesome job uh protecting Jaden um and keeping her healthy and you know, doing, doing a good job and helping her grow and develop. And now she's, she's doing great. Um, but you know, it was, it was definitely something that we had to truly cling to our faith, um, for the first times in our life. Um, honestly, we, we'd lost games. We had all the extrinsic stuff that really doesn't matter. We dealt with, but for some reason, when your own flesh and blood is sitting on a, you know, a bed in the hospital, plugged up to a whole bunch of machines and all that, it's kind of, it hits you a little bit deeper than a football game. It hits you a little bit deeper than um, everything else. So that was, that was a big deal for us. Um, it was an awesome experience at the same time, one of the worst experiences I've ever been through and wouldn't want to go through it again, but would because of how much of we knew we grew in Christ in that. And uh, that's hard to say, but at the same time, it's, um, you know, it's true. Um, Christ does show up the biggest when you need him the most. And so it's, uh, it's definitely something to where, um, at first, you know, at first people would tell us that God, you know, God, you've got this, you can do this, you know, God, God will never give you something that you can't handle, um, all that kind of stuff. And we learned very quickly that we couldn't handle it, but if we allowed God to handle it, that's when we could get through it. Um, and that's, that was one thing that we learned and well, there's a lot of things that we learned, but, um, You know, there's, it's just, it was in a very, very humbling, but very, I guess, defining experience in our, in our lives. I think you touched on something that I know I've been guilty of as well, is that a lot of us, especially living in the American culture, um, 
our walk with Christ is a lot of times very easy, you right. know, and I, I think of, uh, I like to listen to uh, Dr. Tony Evans a lot. And I've heard him say, I can't quote it word for word, but I've heard him say something similar that you don't understand how God is your rock until you're at basically rock bottom, you right. know, and, and he's all you've got. No doubt. And so that's, I'm just thinking about, about that as you share that story, man, what, what an encouragement um, to hear the way y'all embrace that because um, as a dad of three kids, um, I don't know how I would handle it. Yeah. I would like well, to think I can tell you, as a perfect. believer that I would, you know, go, okay, God, what do you want to do through this situation? Because that's the, that's the Christian way to do it. Right. Yeah. But when it, but like you said, when it's your own family, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I, I, I truly am encouraged by y'all's testimony in that because I, I can't imagine what that does, even to a marriage. No doubt. It does. And then I'll say our marriage has been strengthened amazing because we did, we cling to, we cling to God, um, which wasn't, I say that, I mean, it wasn't a perfect journey. We weren't, it wasn't right. like it, it happened. Oh, let's go. And, you know, praise God because he's going to give, get glory out of it. That, that's not how it went. You know, there's a lot Absolutely. of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, as you know, per se. And, and and there was a lot of times that we didn't know, like we, we were lost. We didn't know what was going on. Um, we had a lot of different struggles just period. And, uh, but, and at the end of the day, when we were able to cling to Christ is when, you know, he was able to grow us and, and teach us many, many things through that trial. That's awesome. You know, when I was, uh, preparing for this, I, I like to just, look online for, you know, just different information. I came across several articles, I think probably in in your time at Miami of uh, what it was like when Jaden would show up at practice uh, and the smiles that uh, just her, her glow and how that would impact your dad and and you and, and and the team. And I'm just like, you know what? It's just, that's just a simple reminder how God can use a little kid that's battling no doubt. Right in a lot of lives. Um, and she probably didn't even know the impact that, that she's already had. Right. So that was, no that, that was pretty cool to, to go and, and read that because like I said, it was just an encouragement that, um, God, God's using her, God's using, um, a lot of us and in times that we don't even know. No doubt. No doubt. And yeah, her, her being able to run out there on practice fields were, was, you know, enough, enough for me that was that was awesome we we really so how did you balance um the demands of coaching I know you're not um you're kind of doing a different side of coaching but how did you balance that um with being a husband and a dad right um I think I was very blessed um and who I worked for um first of all Rex there was a lot of demands on time. There was, I'm not saying it was easy. It was a major, major grind, but Rex also under understood, um, that when, when things came down the line, like my daughter getting sick and that type of deal, um, that there was things more important than football. And, uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. He's, he gets a lot of credit for all the crazy stuff he does, but he, he really was an awesome human being to work for. Um, you know, loved his staff, supported us no matter what. And, uh, you know, he really did a good job of letting us know that that, that stuff came first. And then, um, you know, working for dad, I mean, dad, dad was probably the best person I could have ever worked for. Um, anytime 
one of the family members wanted to come and just hang out at the office that they, they were there, you know, and that's not just my kids cause they're his grandkids, but all the kids on staff, um, you know, it was a very family oriented family, uh, centered business. You know, he tried to make sure that we got to see our kids as much as we could, um, whether it was, uh, telling us to go home on nights that we basically weren't getting anything done because we're drooling and had watched been watching film for 12 hours anyways, <laughs> or, you know, just, or like saying, Hey, y'all come in a little bit later today, make sure you take your kids to school type deal. And, you know, it's, you know, it's the little things like that, that he was able to do that helped us. But, um, I think the biggest thing was once we got home, um, I was home and I was dad. And, uh, that, that was a big, big emphasis for me while I was at Miami. Cause we were gone a lot, a lot. And, uh, there wasn't a lot of time that we got to spend with them. But when I was there, I had to be present, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then once they went to bed, I was able to pull my phone out back out and go recruit and do all that kind of stuff that you have to do as a college coach. But, um, really try to separate my time with my kids from time that I'm working. Um, and just being present fully with them. If they wanted to sit there and watch a movie and it was princess Barbie or whatever it was, I was going to sit there and watch princess Barbie with them, you know, and just snuggle or whatever it was, just letting them know that I cared about their little world and, uh, letting them understand that, uh, I guess I was there when I was there, I was there and I didn't want to try to be two places at once. I hear that a lot. And that's a, I mean, that's always something that convicts me too, even with my own job is that when I'm home, I need to be home. No doubt. You know, I, I went through a phase of about three years when my kids were younger, when I was living one of the best jobs I thought I ever had. But then I realized that I was home at night, but I wasn't home. You know, right. and when you come to the real, realization that your identity is in not how much money you make or what you do, it's, you know, is who you are in Christ. And part of that is being a husband and a dad um, that I need to be that first. So that's good. So is there a story or two um, maybe where you saw God use you in another player or coach's life? Um, there, there is um, just mainly, I guess, there's, there are stories. Um, I think God is very, very unique in the way he uses us. Um, things that like, kind of like I said earlier, just trying to be that positive light, have my joy centered on Christ and allowing other people to see that, um, was, was a big deal, uh, to people, especially once you got into the NFL ranks and up North. Um, unfortunately there was, up north was a hard place to be, in in my opinion. Um, there probably were great communities, but we we never really found a great church or a great community um, up there, and that was one of the hardest things for us. And uh, and then being in the NFL lifestyle, um, there's not. I mean, you play on Sunday. There's not a lot of time to be spent, mm-hmm. um, you know, in community like a normal church or a normal, uh, I guess, deal. And, uh, you know, up there, just being, being with those coaches and all that kind of stuff. I actually had one of the coaches that I worked with, um, call me a year or two later and he was so excited. And he's like, look, man, I, 
I just want to let you know that I gave my life to Christ and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I was like, that's awesome. Like I was fired up. I was like, but why are you calling me? <laughs> like I, I didn't do nothing. I, all, all I did was, you know, be, be available and be present. And, uh, you know, that one really touched me because it was, it, it showed me that it wasn't necessarily that I sat down and had a relationship talk with this guy or, um, a come to Jesus meeting with this guy. I didn't walk him down Romans road. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. It wasn't my place, but what he does remember is me, you know, just acting a certain way and conducting myself a certain way. And that may or may not been a difference, but it did make an impact on him in some sort of way to where he felt like he needed to call me. And, uh, that's a big deal. Um, and then, you know, just, it's not necessarily stories or anything like that, but you know, when, when you're working with these kids, um, in college, these guys at Miami, all those boys, um, they, they impacted me a lot more than probably they, they knew, um, just being able to love on those guys. I've got two girls. So being able to love on these guys is like they're my boys. Um, they'll always be my boys and I'll always cheer for them, always root for them, always do anything they need, um, to help them. And, uh, one thing that really actually they spoke to me was within the first couple months that I was down there, actually right before spring ball, our first year, um, Jaden got sick again and we got, we had to go to Boston and I had to leave and I was gone. And, uh, the outpouring, like, I didn't even know the guys yet. I didn't know any of the, I mean, I knew a few of the quarterbacks. I knew those guys that I had worked with specifically for the first three, four weeks, but it's not like I knew the whole team and didn't have relationships with those guys, but I got an outpouring of text from the whole team. Mm. Um, just kind of saying, Hey coach, we're family with, this is who we are. This is how we do things. And, you know, that, so I think they had a bigger impact on me from the get go at Miami, um, you know, showing the outpour of, you know, the brotherhood of Miami, but at the same time, the love and respect enough to give me a call and just to be an encouragement um, to us in a hard time. So that was a big thing for me. That's good stuff, man. That, that story of the former colleague calling you so just to tell you that he gave his life to Christ is just another reminder that, um, when we identify ourselves as Christians, people are watching. Um, no doubt. You know, and we're we're impacting people every day, whether we uh, whether it's intentional or not, and even for good or bad, um, yeah. people are watching. No doubt. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So let me ask you um, for some advice or encouragement to a student athlete or a coach. A lot of people that listen to this fall in the category of student athletes and coaches. And, you know, it's not always easy um, to live out your faith, especially nowadays. Uh, There is some resistance. And so how would you encourage that athlete or coach that um, realizes the platform of athletics and wants to, you know, wants to be bold in their faith? So how would you encourage them to do so? Um, I think it's a lot of like what we were talking about. Um, a lot of what I've said, I've actually learned from one of my childhood heroes was actually Charlie Ward back at Florida state won the Heisman for them. But, uh, my dad used to always tell me he would set himself apart completely in a way that, um, he just kind of, he lived his life a certain way and he was never a guy that was going to come to you and be like, Hey, 
or post on social media or, I mean, they didn't have it back then, but he wouldn't have been that guy. He was just kind of the quiet, live his life as Christ would and love, love people as, you know, Christ would and um, kind of controlled his emotions in a way that um, really exemplified Christ in it throughout his walk, um, throughout the way he lived. And I think for nowadays, for these kids, there's so many things pulling at them. Um, and even social media, it's hard, um, to be perfect all the time on those type of deals on those platforms, especially once you get in the groove and you start, you know, talking and you start doing all this kind of stuff. Um, I think the hardest thing is not just putting it out on social media that I think that's the easy part. Um, I think the big thing for us nowadays is, uh, day to day, whatever that time is, make sure you're centered, um, on Christ, make sure your life and the way you're living, not just when you're in public or you're in social media, you're, you're on that platform that you feel as, um, God has called you to, but, um, take that from something that, um, you feel is very important and then apply it to that, that thought process of who you are on that platform, apply it to every little detail. And when you do that, you start to learn um, and start to understand truly um, if God is truly the center of your life or is the things around us um, or how people think about you, the center of your life. And uh, when you, when you truly understand and truly start to like look at it out of the way as, Hey, this is, I'm doing this, you know, for Christ, there'll be, there'll be times that you're like, you know what, I don't know if I need to post this right now or whatever it is, but, um, I think I'm digressing, but at the same time, um, I think the encouraging part is there are people out there. Um, there's a lot of other Christians that are working, that are grinding, that are trying to live their life in a certain way that pleases God and is honorable to God. And as long as you're able to take um, your life and um, make it a shining example, then you are impressing people, whether they um, look at it as a negative impression or not, they're, they're seeing God um, and they're getting a glimpse of Christ and what it means to be like Christ. Um, so take encouragement in the fact that even if you feel like nothing's working, if you feel like nothing is penetrating or that certain person that you're working on so hard is not being, uh, accepting, then it might not be your place to be that, but you might be like, like what happened with me. You might just be that first little nudge that gets them to listen to somebody else. So, um, and you know, you can always take fact, take, you know, solace in the fact that Christ, Christ has won. He's already, he's already got victory. And, you know, we're just, we're out here just trying to do the grunt work that, you know, he's called us to do. Um, and you know, it's hard. It's, it's not easy, but it's, it's a blessing when you, when you learn to do it consistently. That's, that's, that's very good. Encouragement writing a lot of that stuff down. It's, um, you know, it's something that we talk about a lot, especially I've got two, two sons and a daughter and I, you know, both my boys are in sports and neither is that hype, rah, rah, 
right out. And I tell them all the time, you don't to be a leader. You don't have to be that person. Just know that um, you can influence your teammates just by how you handle yourself in practice. No doubt. When you make a mistake, that's that's your chance to really be a light. No doubt. Um, And how do you handle success? You know, my own social media, you know, a lot of people, you know, have issues with the way the, with the college recruiting, you know, on social media, it's, you know, (laughs) every offer that I get. Right. You know, and I, and I see it. Um, I, I see the positives in that, but I also see the folks that, that take issue with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, social media can be, um, it can be used for, for good. Um, but it can be very dangerous. It definitely can. Yeah. It, it is definitely a two-edged sword. No, yeah. No sword for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is always a fun one for me to ask. Um, a lot of people have a life verse or favorite scripture. So I always like to ask people about that or, you know, ask you to share one that maybe God has used in your life recently. Yeah. I think that, uh, Actually, I'll talk about one recent actually from this morning. And it's been something that has been a kind of a life verse, um, even though I haven't necessarily like written it down or all that kind of stuff. But uh, Proverbs 3, I was reading this morning, and I think it's verse 5, I believe. But just talking about how um, God God is in control and he controls our footsteps. He controls our path. I'm going to look at it real quick. I can't remember it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a great Bible memory guy. Um, I but, hear you on that. That's always um, yeah. something I say every year. This year, I'm going to try to memorize more, and I just it's not it's it's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, some sometimes I get into it and I I do a great job, and then I stop, and it's just hard. But anyways, yeah. uh, it is three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and depend do not depend on your own understanding. In all things, acknowledge God and seek Him, and He will show you which path to take. And you know that you know a lot of different things have happened throughout really since J bug has gotten sick um, from taking solace and trying to find the path for that to trying to find a career path to finding, you know, where we're at now um, truly being able to trust and understand um, that uh, if we seek after God, he will, he will show himself to us and he will, he kind of, he will reveal uh, what's right. And then at the same time, not being terrified to move, I think is a big thing that people miss in this um, verse is, you know, a lot of people want to sit there and pray and sit there and seek and sit there. And, and that's awesome. That's great. But God is also calling you to move and be in action um, for him. And uh, I think that's one thing that I've kind of taken from the word seek. Um, a lot of people see it as prayer, Um I think it is more of an action word, in my opinion, to go and do, um, try to look for, for ways to serve God in the way that he, in the place that he's got you at that moment in time. Um, and then as you serve him, he'll start to open doors. And when he opens those doors, if you try to walk through it and he closes it, then try to find another door. Um, but when, when he opens a door or allows you to walk through something, that's when you're truly uh, supposed to trust in him and allow him to guide you. That's interesting um, that you you mentioned the word seek. So we started, and it started just kind of this social media deal on Monday that 
just get the group together to go through the book of Proverbs this month, read a proverb a day. And it's mostly some coaches. And we have, um, I think as of this morning, a little over 50, and we've created this little group where everybody's sharing their favorite verse. And, you know, today Proverbs 3, um, and, and one of the guys shared Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and he said, uh, basically, um, he's read that verse for a long time, but today the word seek really stood out to him. He put it in all capitals. Yeah. And basically what he said in our little group messaging was exactly what you were, you were talking about. Um, and so I went and looked it up and I'm like, you know what? I've read this verse. I've heard it probably most of my life, but I've never, that word's never really jumped out of the, you know, on to me. And so it's just, I don't know what God's trying to teach me, but I've, I've heard that twice today. Um, and it's not lunchtime yet of, <laughs> six the word seeks i don't know what god's trying to teach me through this conversation but obviously um that word is is an important one for me no today so that's that's awesome you shared that last question um there's two words that are real big in sports all in um it's all over you know no matter the sport we we see it we hear it we know what it means but also you know christ is pretty clear that if we're going to be a follower of his you know, we got to deny ourselves. We got to be selfless. So, what does that look like in a practical sense, John, for you and your daily walk to be all in? Um, I think it starts with starting in the Word um, and starting by seeking Him through prayer and through reading and Scripture, and then uh, just throughout the day, being able to keep Him on the forefront of our mind. Um, it's, it says, you know, to write His words, uh, basically on our foreheads basically is what it says um, in the Bible uh, as an old thing they used to do to help remind them to um, basically keep God at the front, keep, keep that as the center purpose for what they're doing throughout the day. Even, even in your work and your day-to-day conversations or whatever it is, um, hoping and allowing God to kind of, not necessarily control everything you do. It's not, it's not that he wants to be controlling. I think he wants you to just seek him and, you know, seek the opportunities that he puts in front of you. Um, kind of just look for him. And, uh, I think our job as being all in is, uh, understanding that it's not just, like I said earlier, it's not just on a platform. It's not just, um, in, in the light or, you know, on the, in the spotlight, it's, you know, in the, in the, every little details, every little moments that he gives us, um, just allowing, allowing him to shine through us and also, um, maybe be a, a guiding factor in a decision or, or whatever it is, just allow some time to, um, to really process the things that are going around or on around you. And, uh, you know, see if it, it, sometimes it's not something that he wants you to necessarily, you know, stand up and beat your chest and say, I'm a follower of Christ and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just being that quiet, still voice of, you know, just doing things right, getting up in the morning, taking care of your work, taking care of your job. And all at the same time, it's, you know, being ready for an opportunity if God gives it to you. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and it's something that I have to be, remind myself all the time is that, and I can tell a difference in um, my day, whether it's at work or the way I interact with, with family or whether I started my day in the Word or not. No doubt. 
you know, that's, that's a huge deal. Um, it's something I really didn't learn much until, um, as a young adult, the importance of that. I think I took it for granted growing up right. um, in a Christian home that, you know, that it's just kind of something you check off the list, you know, I have no question they check, but, you know, it became real as an adult. And that's something that, you know, like I said, I know, um, and I think everybody around me knows um, whether I'm, I'm in the word or not, because it, it, it impacts the way, the way I treat people. So that's good. It's a good reminder. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think it's, I think it's big too, to understand that you won't be perfect. Um, I think that's right. one thing that we all struggle with as coaches, as athletes um, is that, uh, I guess thought process of if I fail, I'm wrong. Or if I don't do everything right throughout the day, I'm not perfect. And therefore I, it's okay. Like the one thing that I actually changed my thought process a lot was in college, uh, a song by Shane and Shane and it's called, uh, embracing accusations. And, uh, it's a great song, but it basically talks about the fact that the devil is, attacking us every day telling us that we don't deserve christ and we don't deserve heaven we don't deserve his love and at the end he's like it's okay he's right we don't but god decided to give it to us anyways and uh just understanding that fact that you know it's not going to be a perfect day it's not going to be a perfect hour it's not going to be even right after you do your devo your kids might come in the come in there screaming and yelling at you or whatever it is, something might go all haywire, but understanding that, um, as you handle it, if you can handle it to the best of your ability, then, then do it. And then if you got to ask for forgiveness at the end, go ask for forgiveness and understand that it's not a, it's not a perfect, not a perfect thing. That's good stuff. I wrote down that song. Tell them we'll go listen to it later this afternoon. It's it's yeah. a great song. It's you got to kind of let it build, but when it when the refrain comes, it's pretty pretty powerful. That's awesome. Well, man, I do um, I do appreciate it. Um, thanks for just responding to um, a random message on on social media to oh, teach sure. this. Um, enjoy connecting, and um, I take a lot of notes and recording these. And um, there's some things that you know through this conversation, I'm gonna go back and kind of remind myself of, so I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Thank you again to John for sharing his passion for Christ, for his his desire to use the platform that God has given him through athletics to shine brightly for Christ. And that was evident in the testimony he shared of a coach that he was going to staff with called him to tell him, that because of his witness, because of the seed that was planted previously that he gave his life to Christ, that's what it's all about. You and I have no control over whether someone decides to follow Jesus, but we do have control on how we live, the light that we are when we're around them. Whether it's in times of great success or in times of struggle, we need to be a light. We need to plant those seeds and let, let God, let the Holy Spirit work on their hearts. That's not my job. It's not your job to save them. It's our jobs just to point them to Jesus and all that we do. And that's what John talked a lot about in his story. It's just always being a light. Not just in times that things are going well. Not just when times are on a platform or the spotlight's on us, but it's every moment of every day. No matter what we're doing, whether we're at home or at work, 
out around the town. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Every breath we take needs to be living for Jesus. And that we take advantage of every opportunity and be a light. Again, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So it's being a light in times of of great success. It's being a light in times of great struggle. That's when people are watching. When you and I are not at our best, or when we may make a mistake, or we're going through a difficult time, that's when people start watching to find out if this Jesus is real. And when we're a light in those times, people take notice. People come to us and start asking questions. The last thing I want to say from the notes from this conversation was just a reminder that your joy, my joy, doesn't come from my job. It doesn't come from my friends or my bank account or my social status. It can only be found in Christ. My joy and my identity is in Christ. So thank you again to John for those reminders. I know um, I was truly encouraged. I know you were as well. So I would ask you to share this episode with a family member or a friend. I know there's somebody in your life that needs to be encouraged right now. And I also ask you if you're a first-time listener or a casual listener to this podcast and haven't subscribed yet, that you would just take a moment right now. Click the subscribe button. No matter what podcast platform you're using, just click subscribe. There's a hundred, over a hundred previous episodes that I know would, would encourage you today, and there's, there's more coming. I'm excited about what's, what's ahead with the podcast and the guests that you're going to hear from. We always like to hear from you. You can go to our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and just type in All In Sports Outreach and you'll find out opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. And also, um, I would encourage you to check out our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers.